The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Amen. Happy to see you. Did I hear that we're having a turkey leg thing tonight? Dear Lord, when do you get enough turkey? When do you get enough turkey? We're having more turkey tonight at Continuum. I think I'll come by and eat a, eat a turkey leg. I can't get enough of it. Anybody any bluebell over the weekend? All right. You're either a bunch of storytellers or you just don't want to come out from behind the mask and tell the truth. Uh, I saw something cute today. I was, uh, I was going through my phone. I saw this little bulldog. You know, bulldogs are kind of, you know, they're kind of big and, and said, quit, quit blaming your overweight on Thanksgiving. You were overweight in August. That's right, I was. Good to see all of you today. This is, this is not the easiest day to preach for a pastor. Holidays after holidays, it's not the easiest time. But I love to preach these days because it is, I like challenges. I just like challenges. If I was a baseball player, I'd like to go against the best pitcher. If I was a football player, I'd like to go against the best lineman. I just want to do my best on days when people say, you know, Pastor, you need to be out of town taking a rest. I love to preach on days like this. In fact, I sent a tweet out. If you follow me, I sent a tweet out, and I said, this is, this is a tough day, but it's really mind over mattress. Get up. Come to church. Let's have church, and let's have a move of God today. You ready for, you ready for the word of the Lord today? You ready? You ready? All right. Stand to your feet. You're awesome people. I want you to turn to two or three people and say, I'm glad to be with you today. We're continuing our series called Masquerade. This will be the final installment of Masquerade. We did not get to do the third part on uh, last Sunday. How many of y'all enjoyed Zach Williams last Sunday? Did y'all enjoy Zach? Wasn't that good? Can I tell you something? Zach comes to me after service and he says, can we come back here? Hey, there's not many people that go those places that those guys go that walk up to somebody and say, can we come back to this place? You know what that means? They felt something here. They felt the love of God. They felt the peace of God. They felt the joy of the Lord, and they felt like that they made a difference. So thank you for being that kind of church. I said, yeah, we're building a new building. We're adding on to this one, going to double the size of our seating. And when we get it all done next year about this time, we're going to have you come, and we're going to, you're going to help us break it in. He said, oh, man, we'll come with some new songs, and we'll break it in for you, Pastor. I just think that's neat. I love that. I love that. All right, I'm going to preach to you today. You may be seated. This is the third installment of Masquerade. It'll also be our final installment. If you're a guest here today, we welcome you to the house of the Lord today. Thank you for being here. I would like to tell you that this, what I'm I'm about to say, is pretty important stuff. All preaching is important, but today is very important. I would appreciate if I could have your attention just for a while as I minister the gospel to you today. We're going to talk today about something that... uh, is, uh, is, it was difficult preparing for it. really was. Uh, I've been wrestling with this one. There's been a lot of spiritual warfare. I came to the church on Wednesday. I came to the church on Thursday. Spent five hours both days just working and praying over the subject I'm preaching to you today. It's just a confirmation that God is up to something great here at Christian Life. He really is. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says, We refuse to wear masks. There's a phrase in the Bible that speaks of the hidden man of the heart. We refuse to wear masks. 
Things that bother us at night sometime and keep us awake, sometimes we learn how to cover them during the day. We learn to play the game. It's called masquerade. Verse 2 in another translation says, we must refuse to play those games. We refuse to maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. Rather, we're going to be open. We're going to be open to God with everything that we have. There's a needed, there's a needed message because the church is one place where I think games are played. I really do. It's a place where we tend to put on this persona, this mask of someone that we're really not. Sometimes we even think we're fooling God. I read a neat story about Jesse James. I read part of his biography, and I read a neat story about him. Now, this is not what I'm talking about today, but Jesse James early one Sunday morning killed a man and decided he needed to go to church, and he went to church and got baptized that day. Then he went out from church and saw another man he didn't like, and he shot him and killed him. And came back that night to church and wanted to sing in the choir. And they let him because he was Jesse James. Now, that's a stretch. But I know that there's many of us that are different us's Monday through Saturday than we are on Sunday. And to expose that, we might hear, yeah, I told you so. And we'd hate to hear that. God wants to be your Monday through Saturday God, just not your Sunday God. Amen. I'm calling this message today the dark side. I'm calling it the dark side, the hidden part that we would love to see change in our lives. See, there's a fear associated with the dark side. It's the fear of exposure. It's the fear that somebody's going to find out, that somebody is going to cause us to get fired, that people will not like us, that God's going to not want to save me, that my spouse will leave me, and I'll lose all my respect from the community and the church. And here's hope for you today, folks. Number one, God doesn't want to expose anybody. He's not into the exposing business. God's not one of these, aha, I told you so God. Don't let this shock you. But he knows that we all have sinned (laughs) and we've come short of the glory of God. But he loved us so much that he didn't send a judge to this earth to pound a gavel and say, told you so, you're convicted to hell. Instead, he wanted to come with a rescue plan so he could set us all free. Amen. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who went to a cross and died for us, was buried, rose again, and we're preaching that Jesus today. Amen. This will not be easy preaching today, though. Jesus said in John, everyone who does evil hates the light. People who don't want to hear thoughts like this when they're doing wrong hate the light. You'd rather hear a bluebell sermon or a joke about bluebell or some uplifting thought. And that would be more fun because this kind of preaching that I'm about to do sheds light. It opens up doors. Light can come into your world. We have fear that our deeds will be exposed. Hear this, Pastor. As long as I've been preaching here and as long as I pastor this church, there will be no need for fear in this house. First John 4 said, where there is perfect love, it casts out fear. Amen. So no fear. Let me preach to you. We'll never accomplish anything great. We'll never find the freedom we desire if we spend our energy in the process of just masking what's going on in our life. And that's true of all sin, especially sexual sin, especially sexual sin. I don't want to pick on sexual sin particularly here today, but I think of all the areas that we're most ashamed of, at least 75% of it is sexual sin. Can I get a witness? Can I get a nod? Can I get a cough? Can I get something? The thought today is for all areas of sin. In fact, it's kind of funny, but what used to require a trip to a bookstore and park in a parking lot behind the building 
now can be done in the privacy of the click of a click in your own home. In the last 20 years, the enemy has succeeded in making sin so much more convenient than ever before. It's more secret now than ever before. Statistics show that 40 million Americans, folks, 40 million, only 300 million in the country, but 40 million are regular visitors to porn on the web. They really are. More revenue is generated through pornography industry than Major League Baseball, the National Football League, and the NBA combined. That kind of makes it big. It's a big deal. Child pornography generates $3 billion a year. Parents, you better listen to me. 90%, 9 out of 10 children between 8 and 16 years of age are viewing pornography online. Most of which, obviously, you as a parent don't know any, anything about. And one-third of all visitors to adult websites are women. It's not just a men issue. We need to talk today. You ready to hear some talk? Let's talk a little bit. It's not just sexual sin, but all sin today. But I, I, I've got this thing I want to teach to you today. There's a progression in this thing called the mask. There's a progression. The first thing that happens is the enemy sends an opportunity. He sends this opportunity. See, Satan's job is nonstop, folks. And he is a pretty good fisherman. He's a good hunter. He knows where to fish. He knows what lure to use. He knows one that's customized fit for just you because not everybody has the same drive about the same thing. So he knows how to do it. Second Corinthians calls him a, a schemer. In other words, he's on a drawing board right now designing something that will trip you up in your life. These aren't, he's not just random. He's not just a devil with a pitchfork and a forked tail ruining lives. He's intelligent. And he works overtime to provide a customized sin just for you. It's like a special lure. It's like he knows just how to throw it. He knows where to put it. Genesis said sin crouches at our door. It's there and you know it and we all do. I think we have more opportunity now than ever before. And you know that's true. It, desire, it desires to have you, but it must, you must master it. The first thing I want you to know is this. You don't need to be naive. You don't need to sit there and say, well, pastor, I'm going to hear it to you today, but it has nothing to do with me. Yes, it does. Say, everybody in the house is flesh. Everybody in the house fights this flesh. There's nobody perfect here. Hell is after everybody, and hell wants anybody he can to trip and fall over sexual sin. Say amen to that. So don't say it's not for me. Don't say I'm going to pile it on somebody else. It's for everybody. Parents, don't think it's not affecting your kids. Whatever we do, let's not be naive to think it's not something for us. So here's the second thing. First, there's opportunity. I can't stop that because it's going to happen. The goal isn't to stop the opportunities. The goal is to have a game plan for when those opportunities come along, especially in this generation. So the entry point, number two, of sin is through the eyes. It's the eye gate. We take a look, we give it a little thought, we say, ooh, I see that. It's just a glance. We look through the window of our eyes. I heard this several years ago, that if one could control the eye gate, they would eliminate more than 90% of all sin. It's just what you see. The book says everyone is tempted when by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Matthew Jesus said in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, the eye is the lamp of the body. 
And if your eyes are good, your whole body is good. If your eyes are bad, it will corrupt and pollute the entire body. Can I get a witness? In other words, in another translation, if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. We have to govern the eye gate. So we have opportunity. We have eyes entertaining it. But this third point, you need to put a star about if you're taking notes. I think we need to stop the process right here. The third thing is that we begin to reason. We begin to reason things. Our thoughts is, well, this probably won't hurt me real bad. You know, I probably can handle this. I'm, I'm stronger than most people in the church. I can handle this. I wonder if I'll get caught. You know what? I bet this really isn't wrong at all. I, I don't think, well, you know, it doesn't affect me like it does everybody else. And God knows how hard it is. It is for me to control this particular thing. Maybe, maybe no one will find out. God's okay with it. Here's one the kids use. Everybody's doing it. So if everybody's doing it, you know, it's just, I mean, I might need to get involved in it because everybody does. We begin to reason. Some justify sin with, you know what? God wants me happy. Can I give you a clue? Can I give you a clue, clueless? Can I give you a clue? God don't, don't want you happy. God wants you holy. I didn't want my kids happy growing up. Well, pastor, are you serious? Yeah. I made them get up every day and go to school. I didn't let them lay in bed. Let them lay in bed and they'd be happy. Oh, just eating chocolate all the time. Blue bell every time. Just get up and say, I'm just going to be lazy today. I'm going to be lazy and happy. No. I want them to be respectable human beings. So I said, get up, get out of bed, let's go. We got to have something in our life called discipline. Discipline has to come into our lives. And I made those kids get up. And you know what? I've got three respectable daughters and I've got three respectable son-in-laws. And I'm raising some respectable grandkids because it's not about being happy all the time. It's about doing the right thing in your life. And God don't want you just to be happy. He wants you to be a holy person walking in the light of Almighty God. You know, Satan will lie to you. Satan will lie to you. He'll, he, he, he will tell you people are doing worse. You know, you, you're, not, you're not doing as bad as that next person. Look at them. And you start comparing yourself. John 8 says he speaks his native language for he's a liar. He's a father of all lies. He'll tell you things like, oh, you'll be happier. The kids will be better off. That person over there, that's not your soulmate. This one over here, look at that. That's your soulmate right there. You need to leave that and go to that one. You need to walk away from this and go to that one. And hell is a liar. If you're not getting with me now, you're going to really be after a while because I'm going to get tougher. So you might ought to say amen now so you can get quiet later. (laughs) People literally get what I call sexually confused in their life. They really do. They really think sometimes this, this sexual things that they have in their life, they think that it's the right thing to do. And right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right in their life. And most people I see walking down the wrong path have actually entered a place of all-out confusion. It's one of, if one is not self-aware, there's a danger of that confusion. They start saying things that are just not true. Honestly, at some point, you can't even convince them otherwise because they're just... We, we had words in our house that we couldn't say, okay? We had words. And I know there's words in your house that you don't want people to say. And one of the words we couldn't say was sucker, so I'll never say sucker in the pulpit. <laughs> but another word that we couldn't say in our house was the word stupid because I won't say it. I'm not going to say it today. I'm not going to say stupid today because I'm not going to say it. And that's what happens. We get, let me say it, we get extremely dumb. You know, there's a lot of men in the church that are hunters and this is hunting season. And there's a lot of women that probably are hunting too. We've got Annie Oakley's in the church probably that shoot deer and shoot, shoot turkey and all that. 
You know when you get, you know when you can shoot a turkey? When they're mating. That turkey, you go out turkey hunting and they're not mating. They won't, you can't find them. But brother, you get out there when those turkeys are looking for that mama turkey. Gobble, 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 gobble. They're looking, where you at, baby, where you at? And that turkey will come right out into your side and bam, you take his head off and you got some Thanksgiving dinner. Because he was hunting at the wrong time and it got him killed. The same way, the same way when you're hunting deer. Deer, you can't, you can't, you can go sit in the stand and watch a deer come out into the, to the clearing. That, that buck is going to be bright and, and he's going, he's savvy. He'll let those does walk out there because he knows the hunter's not after them. He's after horns. And he'll wait and he'll wait and he'll wait and he'll take maybe a step out of the, out of the, out of the, out of the brushes. He'll take maybe another step an hour later. He's not coming out. You can't get him out. But if it's rutting season. He's going to have his head down. He's not worried about a hunter. He's looking for something in all the wrong places. And you're in that stand and bam. All of a sudden he's a trophy on your wall. That 10 point was walking. Now he's standing tall on your wall. And you know it. Let me tell you something. Whether you like what I'm preaching or not. Hell wants to make a trophy out of some of your lives today. He wants to take you out. He wants to help you out of this world of Godship. But I'm promising you in the name of the Lord, I'm going to preach you to a place, a better place today that God wants you in His, in His world. It's not time for you to lose respect and lose respect of what God's doing in your life. It's time to step up and say, no, it's not going to happen in my life. I'm going to do the right thing. If I'm happy or not, I'm going to be holy in the sight of God. That's what God wants in my life. Somebody help me preach here today. Amen. You've got to be careful. So the, the next thing, you know, after we reason it out, then we, the fourth step is we act on it. We've done it. We click. We stay overnight with that person we're not married to. It happens. Not exposing people here, just sin. Because this is not some people. This is a lot of people. You're by yourself. You're all alone. You're in a hotel room. So you click on that web page. You say yes when no is the right answer. You take that smoke that will own you in a few days. Or that drink that requires another, then another, then another. And before you know it, you're hooked on that thing called alcohol. You all know it. I call it the nasty. It's just that. You just feel bad. You feel horrible. You've all done it. You've all felt it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus talked about it in chapter, James talked about it in chapter 1. He said, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. That's the click. That's the click. That's what we did. That's, that's, we did it. We drank it. We smoked it. We said it. We did it. And all of a sudden, we're in this thing because we've acted on something that we reasoned, that we looked at, that came by. And now we're here. It's not just talking about physical death. It's talking about emotional death. It's talking about mental death and marital death. You feel sick inside. Unfortunately, too many people... Stats say it's an equal number of people that are believers and equal number of people that are unbelievers that do the same thing. And then lastly, we get into this thing called the sin cycle. Let me preach to you today, folks. Can I? Can I preach to you? Here's what the cycle looks like. So you messed up. Okay, you messed up. You did it. But you showed up at church and you heard some great singing. And then you heard a pastor passionately plead with you that Jesus is the answer and you heard some, your heart was drawn and you came and you said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It'll not happen again. 
And some of you can't make it through Monday. And some can't make it through Tuesday and Wednesday. And it happens again and the cycle continues. And when you show up at church, you say, oh God, I'm sorry again. And God hears that, the same cycle. But every time you go through the cycle... You become a bit more immune to it, to God and to the sin. See, repentance gets softer. The ability to do the sin gets a little easier and the cycle continues. It happens to all of us. In fact, a man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, it said it happened to him. If it could happen to the Apostle Paul, it can happen to all of us, folks. Come on, let's get honest. Let's take the mask off today. Paul said, I have a desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. I want to do what's right, but I can't carry it out. What I do is not the good I want to do. It's the evil I don't want to do. Is that you? If it is, you're in good company. Because I think the greatest tragedy is for a pastor to come and stand on a stage or another believer to stand beside you and take you by the hand and say, Oh man, I'm okay with you being this way. It's all right for you to have this because... I know it's a shame of what you're going through and you, 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 give, them, you give them alliance. You give them a, something to lean on because you're telling them that sin is all right in their life when it's not all right. Or some pastor come up and say, man, you just need to get it right like I got it right. Can I tell you, we all are in the same hospital dealing with the same stuff. I dream of a place though, folks, as a pastor. And on, on Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day, our kids were eating with their in-laws. And I was here and I was walking in my office and I was praying. I, I dream of a day when we can take off these crazy masks and we can walk into his presence knowing that we are having struggles. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It's a dream. I know it really is to have a place where there's no fear of exposure. Instead, there's a guarantee of freedom in your life. And I want Christian Life Church to be a place of freedom in people's lives. I don't want you to come in thinking the pastor's going to jump on you. I don't want people to come in thinking the pastor's down on you. I love you and I want to take everybody to heaven. But we've got to take the mask off and say, God, I need some help in my life. Give me a little help down here. I need some help. I'm battling some things I can't handle by myself. First John 1 said, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. He brings light into areas that we have darkness in. Verse 9 said, if we claim to have no sin, we put on a mask. We're just deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we'll confess our sin, we'll just remove the mask. He's faithful and just. And we'll forgive our sin and purify us from unrighteousness. Can you say amen? See, the worst thing you could do is not the sin. The worst thing you could do is play the game. Let me say it again. The worst thing you could do is not the sin. The worst thing you can do is play the game. You can't play the game. No more masquerade. Everybody say no more. No more. Let's stop living in darkness. Let Jesus turn some light on for you today. Amen. Let me give you just some practical things. I learned this word a long time ago. I was just a young preacher. And, and some people thought I was an up and coming young preacher. And I had an old veteran come put his arm around me one time. He said, son, let me, let, me, let me tell you something. I said, yes, sir, I'll listen. I listened to preachers in that day, and I still do today. He said, listen. He said, there is no defense for sexual sin except one thing. And I said, what's that? He said, it's one word, son. I said, what's that? He said, run. Run. Run, forest, run. Run. Just run. Run all across America. Get as far away from New Jersey as you can. Go to California. Whatever you got to do. 
Get on the other side of the world from it. Run. When you see the opportunity, when the lure gets passed by you, don't reason, don't look. Come on, everybody, say it out loud. Let's all say run. run. Say it again, run. You've got to flee fornication. You've got to flee youthful lust. That's what the book says. Evil desires of your youth pursue righteousness and pursue faith and pursue God in your life. You've got to run. You've got to run like you're trying to win the Olympics. You've got to run like you're trying to win the Heisman Trophy. You've got to run. You've got to run. You've got to give it everything you have to get away from it. That's the only defense. You can't, you can't entangle yourself in it. You can't... Say, you know what, I think I can handle this. I'm a bad man. No, you're not a bad man. You're a man that's weak just like everybody else is weak. And we all need Jesus to help us. Somebody give me a witness right now. If you're in a compromising situation today, if you're stealing money on your job, if you're seeing somebody secretly, maybe you're just in an emotional affair right now. If you're watching what you shouldn't be watching, maybe sending some of these sexual texts. Maybe you're sending some. Let me give you three words today. Stop it now. Stop it right now. Stop right now. Let me ask you something. I got this. I don't ever bring this up here on the, to the platform, but I got it today. And I got sweet pea on here. That's my, that's my girl. But I, I want to say something to you. Are you brave enough and bold enough to swap phones with your mate and give her all your passwords? Would you give her your phone for a week and take her phone for a week? That's what I'm asking today. You can have my phone for a month. There's nothing on this phone because I want my life to be before God like he wants me to be before him. I want to come before him boldly. I want to come before him right. It's time that we take the mask off and we stand before him and say, I am undone. Save me. I want to go to heaven with you. I want to be right in the sight of God. <sighs> Intentions will never trump the path. The path always wins over intentions. Whatever path you're on, whatever path you're walking, you can have the best intentions, but your intentions will never trump the path you're on. You've got to change paths. If you're walking down that road, you've got to change roads and turn your life around and say, I'm not going to be just intentions. I'm going to be purposeful in my actions. I've got to run. If you're a young person listening to me today, the most painful yet successful thing you can do is go home today if you're messing up in life and have a talk with your parents. And say, Mom, Dad, I want to talk to you. I need to get out of some situations in my life. It's painful now. It'll be peaceful later. Trust me. I was in youth ministry for nine years in my life, state leader and then a national leader of an organization. And I would meet kids going and preaching youth conventions all over America. And kids would come up to me that they'd never go to their parents. They'd come up to me and say, Brother Rex, I need some help. I said, okay, talk to me. They said, I need some help. I said, I, I'm, I'm messed up here. What do I need to do? And I said, you need to go home and tell your mom and dad. Oh, my God, they'll kill me. Well, it's better dead. And be right. And to be alive and telling me what you're telling me right now. So I'd make that young person give me their phone number of their home. And I'd say, I'm going to give you 36 to 48 hours. And if you, don't, if you don't tell them and call me back, here's my number. If you don't tell them and call me back, I'm going to call your parents. Give me your right number. If you don't give me your right number, then you'll never get right. I'm going to call your parents. I'm going to tell them what you told me. 
That's how I fixed it back in that day. And I believe with all my heart that you need to find grace. You need to open up. It's going to be a painful conversation, young people, but you need to open up. Some of the best practical advice I can possibly give you is what I've just given you. Open up your heart and your mind and say, Mom and Dad, I need Jesus. I need help. I got some things that are taking me down. I got some things that are working on me, and I need to be delivered today. And God will set you free. The second thing you have to do is be accountable. You've got to be accountable. You have to initiate that. You have to get somebody in your life who knows what you're going through, like a life partner, like a life coach, somebody you can trust. You heard me say it a thousand times, make it a thousand one. If you're the only person who knows your secret, you're in a bad place. You don't have to tell everybody. You don't even have to tell me. I'm not here saying you've got to come by and tell me that. But you need somebody. You need somebody you're accountable to. Do you know I have accountability partners? Do you know I do? I'm just telling you. They never, honestly, honestly, there, there's a few things that even the devil on his best day that he's not going to get me here. But I'm telling you there's places that I know that I'm vulnerable. And I'm not going to speak it, but I know that I'm vulnerable to some places. And it would surprise you to know what those vulnerable places are because everybody's got vulnerability in their life. But I have men in my life, check on this, people closest to me that, 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 that ask me the hard questions. The Bible said, he who conceals his sin will not prosper, but who confesses it, renounces it, is going to find mercy. Again, the devil's going to tell you that's not true. You're going to get fired when that happens. You're going to get a divorce. You're going to get in trouble. It's not true because the devil is a liar. Somebody needs to ask you the hard questions. I have two guys in my life, one in Fort Worth, one in Houston, and I used to have one in Dallas. I buried him just the other day. I got to find a third, a third accountability partner, and we do, we do tough things on each other. We call and we talk tough to one another because we know people that I, I call accountable partners know if I'm lying. They know if I'm not telling the truth, they know if I'm fudging. And I know when they're fudging because I'm that close to them. They're like brothers to me. But here's what I want to tell you. My old pastor used to call me with questions like this. Son, are you spending time with God? Or are you just putting messages together because you love Him? And because you want to bless the church? Son, the first question always, are you praying? Are you praying, son? Are you and Patty doing all right? How, how's your marriage, son? How's your marriage? Tell me about your thought life, son. Are you depressed? Are you lonely? Are you alone? Do you want to quit? Are you sleeping good? Then he would ask, are you walking in total obedience to God, son? He said, partial obedience is disobedience. Are you walking in obedience to God? Then he would ask, the final question, is truth in you, son? Are you a man of truth? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, yes, sir, I'm It always would break me up. Here's the third one. That's the, we need to take precautions. Everybody say pre. That means before, caution. You, 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 need, you need to decide before you ever get in a situation what you're going to do if you get in that situation. Because I promise you, your brain ain't going to think right when you get in that situation. Did you hear that? Your brain ain't going to function properly if you, already, if, you, if you don't know what you're going to do before you get there. Proverbs 5 says, keep a path far from her. Get as far away from it as possibly can. Don't get close to it. Don't go near her door. Don't go to that house. What precaution do you take, Pastor Rex? Okay, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to share some of mine. 
I hope they help. I'll just send you some. Just read you some. First of all, I never consider myself above temptation. You think that this pastor up here, you know, has just got it all together, all except his hair. <laughs> I still see people walk in the door and say, if I had hair like that, I'd wear it. I mean, it don't matter what kind of hair it is. If I had hair up here, I'd just wear it. And, I, and, and if I could grow a fro, I'd, I'd, have, I'd be two inches taller. I've studied pastors that have fallen. And the number one thing that's happened in every one of them is they thought it would never happen to them. Listen to me now. I'm talking. I feel safer because the truth is we're all one step away from stupid. And you know that. I don't eat alone. I got an 86, almost 87-year-old woman that works here on Friday. She's my girl Friday. And, 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 and when I feel like I have to go eat by myself, I say, Joyce, come on, come with me. Joyce Tenney, all right, let's go. Because <laughs> I don't want to be in a restaurant. Because a lot of people know me and somebody just walks up and sits down beside me and you walk in and I'm saying, oh God. I want Joyce or somebody there that's harmless. In fact, there was a movie several years ago called Up and I wanted to go see it one Friday and I couldn't find nobody to go see it across the street. There's a little animated film called Up, and I preached about it. And I said, Joyce, you want to go to the movies with me? Well, yes, I'd love to go to the movies with you. If she's in the house, she's going to get me because I'm talking like her right now. <laughs> when I'm meeting with females, there's always people around me. There's people that are close to me. I'm very careful about showing even godly affection to the opposite sex. I tell you, when you walk in that door, those hugs are fat-free, non-political, and no strings attached. <laughs> I'm telling you that. Holy hugs sometimes can get a little bit unholy. Amen? I think a side hug is good enough for a wife, a woman. I think it's good enough. I really do. If you're in here and you've got to get a big bear hug on everybody, you need to go fight a bear. <laughs> when I travel without Patty, she travels, by the way, 95% of the time with me. If I'm gone and Patty's not with me, in fact, she's the first person I ask to go with me on trips. But if she's not with me, I'll call her seven to ten times a day. I'm OCD about calling her. Baby, what do you want now? Well, I just want to tell you I love you. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this now. I'm going to eat with the pastor here. Okay, okay. Call me after a while. Okay. I just got through eating. <laughs> We're going to go see some sites in Nashville. We're going to go over here and we're going to the... To the, to the museum. Okay. Hey, we're at the museum. <laughs> it's all right. I do it. And I always speak positively about my patty. Have y'all seen my patty? That's her right there. There she is. Well, come on. <laughs> there she is. That's my girl. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I never disown her. I always compliment her because she is my helpmate. She's my better half. She's my wife. And it diffuses some of those people that are in rutting season. And they're in mating season. I'm here to tell you, hands off her and hands off me. It's the way it works. 
So here's my list. I read it all the time. I hope I can get through this without weeping. But if I ever fell in sin, first of all, I would grieve the one who has saved me. Number two, I'd face his judgment more severe than most because I am a pastor and a leader. Bible said it's better a millstone to be tied around your neck and you thrown into the sea than to cause my people to stumble or to offend one of these little ones. The third thing, I realize that when I sin, it's more than me. It's like a big tree falling in a forest and it takes a lot of young saplings with it. There's a lot of folks that lose their faith in God. Number four, I think about how I would hurt Patty. I adore my wife. Some of y'all need to get through the door and adore your wife and adore your husband. Get some adoration going in your life. Number five, I would think about how I would have to stand in front of my kids and the shame that I would bring them. This is my list. Number six, I think about how I would waste 47 years of ministry in my life. And then finally, how I would undermine the work that other pastors are trying to do and leaders. Because every time somebody does something stupid out there, it affects me. It makes my job a lot harder. We read about pastors messing up, and I always tell Patty, well, they just made my job a little bit harder. Because people now become a bit more suspicious about us. We've got to take precaution, folks. And the last thing, not only do you have to run, not only do you have to find somebody that you can talk to and take precaution, you have to make Jesus Lord of your life. You have to make him Lord of your life. Say, Lord. We love him as Savior, but he wants to be Lord. I don't want to go to hell, but he wants to be more than my Savior. He wants to be the Lord of my life. The one you're serving is who's, who's, who the Lord is in your life, who, whatever you're serving. If you're serving money, it might be your stuff. The enemy's put some things in front of you. Whatever you're serving becomes your master. You have a Lord, but it needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not let sin reign in your body so that you obey its desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. I heard somebody say, well, sin doesn't master me. Jesus is my Lord. Well, let me ask you a few questions. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Here's one. Do, you, do, your, do your family and friends say you have a problem? Do you continue doing what you're doing even though you're hurting people? Do you arrange your schedule around things that are more important? Can you go a week without it? Are you leading a life of isolation? And are you trying to keep what you're doing a secret? If you answered yes to any of those, you need to have a different Lord in your life today. Take off the mask. Let's find freedom. I close. Randy, if you'll help me. The fear of exposure is what we all are afraid of. We're afraid to expose ourselves. I can't tell you what people will do, but I can tell you what Jesus will do. He won't expose you, folks. He'll free you. One of the greatest stories that I ever read in the Bible was found in John chapter 8 about a woman taken in the very act of adultery. And the Bible said they brought her to Jesus and they threw her down at his feet and they said, Moses' law said we should stone her. What do you say? And Jesus evidently agreed with them. But then he made this statement. He said, he that's without sin, 
Let him cast the first stone. And, and they, started, they started kind of walking away. But then he got down on the ground and started doodling a little bit. He started writing some things in the sand. And the Bible said they were convicted and they walked away. I don't know what he was writing. When I was 35, I had a little revelation. He was writing maybe some names like Delilah, Prissy, Helga, whatever. He's writing some names because he knew those guys that had stones in their pockets had had the same problem that was standing before him right then. See, it's one thing to cover your sin. It's another thing to become judgmental of people that try to take the mask off. And Jesus just kept writing and they kept looking and one by one they left and finally they were all gone he looked at her and he said woman where are your accusers and she said I don't have any Lord <laughs> and this is what Jesus does folks that nobody else will do this is what Jesus does he said neither do I condemn you go 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 and sin no more Many people believe this probably was Mary Magdalene. I don't know. But I will tell you this. That not only did God deliver her from the act of adultery and the act of sin, seven spirits came out of her that was driving her life. There's nobody can do you like Jesus can do you. There's nobody can help you like Jesus can help you. There's nobody can feel you like Jesus can feel you. Yeah, it's been a tough day preaching, but I think that I've deepened the plow and broken up the fallow ground in some of your lives because we need to be broken up in the house of God. We need to know that man can't help us, but Jesus can help us. He can help us. And you need to make him Lord of your life today because if he's Lord, there's nothing else can be Lord in your life. If you make him Lord, would you stand all over the building? I'm not going to embarrass you today. I'm really not. I refuse to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you today. That's not, my, that's not my job. I don't do that. But I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands. But I want you just to talk to God in your own tongue, in your own vernacular. I want you to speak to Him in your own way. And I want you to tell Him, God, I thank you for the Word today. I thank you, Lord, because opportunities come my way and I have... I've looked at it, and I've reasoned with it, and I've acted on it. And I've, I've gotten a cycle sometime in my life, and I want to get out of that cycle. And the pastor told me I needed to run. And he told me I need to find somebody that I could talk to and confess my things to. And he told me I needed accountability partners. And he told me I need to be precautious. I need to think about things before I ever get into them, before I walk into the trap then he told me, lastly, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm making that right now. I want to make that. Take somebody by the hand beside you and let me pray with you right now. Dear Father, in the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We're going to either do it here on earth or we're going to do it when we stand before you in judgment. But every tongue's going to confess that you are Lord. Why don't we just make Jesus Lord of our lives today? Why don't we just make him Lord of our hearts and our lives today? 
Forgive me of my trespasses. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Forgive me of the dark side in me. Forgive me, God. Help me. Help me come into the light. Help me walk in the light as you are the light. Oh, God. Oh, God. Forgive me. Forgive me. Wash me. Make me clean. Make me clean, Lord. I don't want to live this life any longer. I want to be right in your sight. I want to be right in your eyes. I want to be right. Bring me to a place of repentance. And let me know that you are my Lord. Let me place you as King of kings and Lord of lords in my heart and my life. I will walk out of this place a different person today. I'll walk out of this place a different human being today because the Word of God has convicted my heart and I'm going to have a turnaround in my soul. In Jesus' name. Can you lift your hands all over the building right now and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for washing me. Come on, thank you. Come on, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me when I don't even love myself sometime. Thank you for caring enough about me to let somebody preach to me today. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. I love you, Jesus, with all my heart. Everybody say, Pastor, I'm taking the mask off. I'm going to expose myself to Jesus. I'm going to open my heart to Him. I'm going to walk in the light as He is in the light. Because I will not have fellowship with darkness anymore. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands above your heads and clap real big for the word of the Lord today. Amen. 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 Come on. Amen. 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 Come on. Come on. Real big. I love you.